Hey, thanks for tuning in into the City Life Church podcast. We are a church in San Francisco, and we exist so that people that are far from God will encounter His presence and experience the life that only Christ offers. We pray that this word will challenge you and encourage you in your walk of faith with Jesus. Amen. Today, we're going to continue our series, Follow Me, Part 3. And how many of you enjoyed Pastor David last week? Brought the Latino flair and swag, and uh, he's good-looking. They say, like, where'd you get, Pastor John, where'd you get your good looks from? I got them from David, of course, because he's my nephew. And, uh, but again, life is unfair. He's got the dark skin and the hair. Like, what can I say? But uh, great job. I heard the message. Great sermon. Well done. The previous week, Pastor Skip was in town, and I was a bit under the weather, and he was like an answer to prayer. With less than 24 hours notice, I said, bro, can you take the pulpit and preach for me? And he did, and I thought he did outstanding. Talking about the chair, right, the cup of coffee, making room for Jesus because the invitation is there, but we got to respond. It's all about the response. Here's a key text for this series. It's found in Matthew chapter 4, and I'm going to bring you to that spot right there. If you don't have notes on your device already, all you got to do is type in CLC notes and send it to the number 97,000. A link will be sent to your device, and you can actually follow my sermon notes right on your device from wherever you're watching, whether in person or online. But Matthew chapter 4, verses 18 through 20, this is, again, the key text for this portion of, of our series. And it says this. It says, And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee... He saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and Andrew, his brother. They were casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And here's the key verse. Then he said to them, follow me. Someone say, follow me. He says, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. They immediately left their nets, and they followed him. Now, when you read the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they talk about the life and the ministry of Jesus, but they, they communicate from different angles. It's one author, and that is the Holy Spirit, but different writers. So the way that Matthew would record this is from his perspective, from his lenses. Matthew, again, the tax collector, very detailed, uh, every T crossed, every I dotted, and he's giving facts, and he's describing it from his vantage point. You got John, and he's a hippie. He's just like, all like, you know, peace out, bruh, and it's like, you know, he, he's super laid back, and he eats organic food. That's how John get, got down, and he's amazing that way. He's talking about Jesus, and when he, he describes Jesus, he's, he's like, Jesus, in the beginning, he was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And he's like just talking in very poetic kind of language. You've got Luke, who is the physician. He's the doctor, very thorough. Everything, I'm like, man, I've done my research. I've talked to all the firsthand witnesses. Let me write to you and give you an account of everything I've heard about Jesus. And then you've got Mark. Mark is a zealot. He would be a disciple of Peter. Uh, uh, And Mark, he he communicates the story of Jesus kind of in in an abbreviated kind of way. So you've got different perspectives, different angles. I like how Matthew begins to describe how Jesus recruits uh, Peter and Andrew. So here's Matthew, and he begins to describe, and he says, man, Jesus is walking alongside of the shore of the sea. And then he says, hey, fellas, hey. Drop what you're doing right there. Drop your nets and follow me, and I'm going to teach you and show you how to become fishers of men. Now, what the heck does that mean? And our culture like, dude, that's kind of trippy. That's weird. What was he talking about? He's like, I'm wanting to bring more purpose to your life. It's not that fishing isn't good, and that's your trade, and that's what you do. You could be an electrician, a carpenter, a construction worker, a banker. You're a fisherman, and that's dope, and that's great, but even more than that, I'm going to use the passions, the abilities, the the talents that you've got, but I'm going to upgrade you into a higher place of influence, and you're going to find true fulfillment in this journey called life. 
just getting, going through the motions and paying the bills. I mean, that's, that's nice and all, but there's more to life than just paying the bills. He says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And this journey of following Jesus, it's a beautiful connection because he is working in us and he's making us, handcrafting us, if you will, to be the vessels that he's called us to be. See, God, God didn't call you and me to just exist in this life. He've called us, he's called us to live this life and to live an abundant life, a full life. But unfortunately, too many people are only getting by. They're getting through. They're existing. But God doesn't want you to just get through. He wants you to thrive, not survive. So we're exploring this thought of Jesus using these two powerful words when he says, follow me. That day, that afternoon, whenever the time of the day was, when they heard these two words, it would change and alter the course of their lives forever. Little did they know that those two words would impact them so significantly. Those two words continue to travel through the corridors of time, and they find you and me today. Whether you're watching online or in the building, these two words that Jesus continues to send our way, he says, hey, follow me. If we listen to those words and we respond to them, something transformative will take place in our own lives. And I'm going to expound on that a little bit more today. I love what, what Pastor David was mentioning last week. He says, when it comes to these two words, it's an invitation. It's a simple, personal, and life-transforming invitation. Super simple. Jesus knows how to break it down and speak our language. Pastor Skip the week before was talking about, it's all about the response. He mentioned how in the Gospels, it's recorded many times, but in 13 unique settings, Jesus said, follow me. Some of them were to individuals specifically. Sometimes it was to a, a couple guys like we just read here in, uh, in Matthew where it was Peter and Andrew. Sometimes he was talking to a larger group and sometimes to the multitude. But those same words, whether spoken to the individuals or to the crowds, they continue to find us today. Let me share a couple thoughts from even the Gospels. I'll just grab just a little potpourri, just bounce around through the Gospels a little bit. I'm going to show you a few of the times when he did talk to people, and some of them accepted the invitation, and some of them did not. Here's a couple examples. So here we have Peter and Andrew, Matthew chapter 4. Jesus is walking alongside of their workplace, and he says, hey, fellas, it's time to check out, clock out, come and follow me. And they were good at what they did, but he was bringing in a, a better option to them. Another one was a teacher of the law, and, he, and the teacher was enamored with what Jesus was teaching and saying, like, man, this dude, had, he's got some content. I love what he's saying. But then all of a sudden, he's like, but, but I had a family member that died, and uh, I, I got to take care of my, this funeral. And Jesus is like, brother, I'm passing through. What is the greater priority? And it sounds a little callous, perhaps even a little cold, like, Jesus, man, this is a dude's dad. Like, he's got to go bury him. But in their tradition, uh, a, a burial was more than a one-day event. It was a prolonged process, many days, if not many weeks. And Jesus is like, look, I respect the family, but when it comes to my invitation, you got to prioritize it above everything and everyone. Come on, somebody. So he talks to him, and there's another one where he, he straight up goes up to the IRS worker, like Pastor Dave was talking about last week. This is the tax collector. This is Matthew, hated by everybody. Even his mama hated him. You know what I'm saying? It's like a tax collector. In those days, not only was he taking money from the Jews, but he's taking their money and paying it to the Romans, and he's getting a little cut from it, a little commission from it. And he was hated by everybody, but Jesus loves the haters, and he loves those that are hated. Amen? So he recruits Matthew to come and follow him, and he like... For whatever reason, he did it. Um, he goes after this, uh, talking to this, this crowd, and this young man comes to him, and is like, hey, 
yeah, Jesus, bro, like, you're dope, man. Can I follow you on IG? What's your handle? And he starts talking about a few different things. And Jesus is like, you want to follow me? Um, why don't you go and sell everything you got, liquidate your crypto, transfer it. Come on, somebody. Give it to the poor and follow me. And the guy's like, ah, I followed all the rules, all the regulations. I've never missed a life group ever in my life. But you want me to, like, liquidate and give it all away? And he couldn't handle the pressure. So he didn't follow Jesus. Notice that even some people turned Jesus down reaches out to Philip, who would become one of his disciples, and I could elaborate on him a little bit. Again, I like how Pastor David last week brought it all the way back to John 21, where we start, we read here in Matthew 4, how Jesus invites Peter and Andrew to become his disciples. Later, Peter's been rolling with Jesus for a minute, for several years possibly, and he's a disciple. And then, I mean, he is just like right up there, Jesus, and then Peter is his armor bearer. He's his wingman. And, and Peter's like having these conversations, bruh, I'll never let you down. I got your back. And Jesus is like, bruh, you don't know what you're talking about here. I know you mean well, but you have no idea what you're saying. And like, man, you're going to betray me like three times. And Peter indeed would betray Jesus three times before Jesus was crucified. So all of a sudden he's deflated. Here's a guy who had become a leader amongst his peers. He had gone to church. He'd done the things, if you know what I'm talking about. But he made some poor choices. Next thing you know, he has backslidden from faith. He kind of goes back to his old ways. He had been upgraded to living a life of purpose, a greater call. But all of a sudden, because of some poor choices, he had drifted. And now he feels disqualified. Now he feels disillusioned. Now he feels like, man, I'm going to be a hypocrite if I try to keep doing, man, I betrayed my, my Lord. But Jesus in his mercy, he came after Peter and he restored him in three times in the same way that Peter betrayed him three times, three times. Jesus having a one-on-one, a discipleship moment where he says, bruh, do you love me? Then feed my sheep, man. This is what it's all about. This is the calling. Three times he affirms him. And then he wraps it up by saying, follow me, bro. In other words, I know you've made some mistakes, but there's mercy here. There's grace here. Come on, somebody. Thank God that there's mercy because we do make mistakes. The righteous, we, we stumble. We make mistakes. The Bible says the righteous fall many times, but they get back up. Maybe you've been in a position of leadership. Maybe you've been, maybe you've been a pastor. Maybe you're watching online and you feel like your best days are behind you. I'm here to remind you that Jesus continues to say, hey, follow me. I've got great things for you. I got better things for you. It's better and better. <laughs> I got more for you. And though you make mistakes, leverage that. Even with your mistakes and your scars, now you've got a platform and a pulpit to actually bring hope to others. Man, don't miss your opportunity. If you made a dumb, a dumb move and you regret it, well, at least leverage it now. Use it for the good. So, man, take it from me, someone who's been there. I got burnt before. Don't you do that now. Don't you fall into that now. So Jesus here in the Gospels, he, he finds Peter again and he redeems him. Another couple thoughts real quick here. We have him navigating through and he would talk to the crowd. Sometimes he'd break it down just to his disciples. There's this moment where it's recorded where he's talking to his disciples and probably several other followers. They're, they're hanging out and he's like, hey, listen, y'all. Y'all want to be my disciples? This is what y'all going to have to do. You have to deny yourself. Pick up your cross daily, every day, and follow me. And what is he saying? He's like, y'all want to be my disciples for real, for real? This isn't just a, a Sunday activity or just when you come to the synagogue on a specific day of the week. This is a daily thing. Something is going to have to die every day if you truly are going to follow me. 
What is the cross killing in your life? If you're not being killed somewhere, are you really a disciple? Because some of us like to be on the little cruise ship where we have all the food available right there. But when it comes to a discipleship walk with Jesus, nobody said it was going to be easy. There's this tug of war within our hearts. Something is always battling within us. Like, "Ah, I really want to do this. And the spirit is saying, don't do that. It's not good for you. Talked about that recently. Something is constantly dying, and it's the sinful nature within all of us. It's weird because we throw Jesus on the cross over and over. He only belonged to the cross once. Your selfish nature needs to be there every day. Rather than throwing Jesus back on the cross, why don't you throw your sinful nature on the cross every day? Pick up your cross and follow him. That's a whole sermon right there. Alley-oop, you can preach it to the youth or whatever. He's preaching to the crowds, and he says, you want to follow me? Deny yourself. Pick up your cross. Follow me. He's also talking to others like, hey, y'all want to join my dream team? You want to join my team that's serving the community? Serve and follow me. It's not good enough just to serve, but you got to follow me as we serve. And then there's other invitations where he, he, he spoke to the crowds and the multitudes, and he invited them to this relationship with him. So let me, let me break it down. I want to give you three thoughts on this invitation. When Jesus says, follow me, It's an invitation like Pastor David was preaching about last week. He's not forcing it on you. He's not commanding you. He is directing you. And he's inviting you into this thriving relationship with him. So there's three components to it. The first thought would be this. Who's it for? Who's this invitation for? Now, years ago as a youth pastor, Pastor Elaine and I, we had the privilege of taking young people and uh, we travel the world. We've been to so many different places and different continents and nations. And I lost track of how many teams I had the privilege of leading. It was well over 50 different teams, different countries. And it's, it's awesome. I'm a, I'm a missionary kid. So missions is in my DNA. It's who I am. I remember taking uh, Pastor Elena, we went to the Philippines in the late nineties, fell in love with the, the Filipino culture, the food, their heart, their hospitality, one of the most hospitable people that we've ever met anywhere around the world. Come on, any Filipinos in the room today? Oh, you know, you know, you know. I said, man, I've left a piece of my heart in the Philippines. And, uh, and, and God would, would actually like love on us so much that he brought so many Filipinos to City Life Church. It's like, woo, come on, somebody. Going there and going to many different countries, we would take teams. And anybody, Nicole, were you on that team too? No? And, we took so many young people. I know Brandon Spitzak was, was with us. And, um, but we would take youth. And what we would do, some of the strategies of what we would do is for months, we would, we would have these high school students work on skits and drama. So we would do one called creation. If you see some people come into our retreat, they need some deliverance. Maybe they're doing this in worship. It's from these missions trips. We would do one called the tree. Little demons with knives and stuff. And like, and all... And we would do this, we would do it like an hour-long performance. Different cast members, Hav would be so proud of our team back in the day, man. <laughs> Different costumes and Jesus, you know, and he would die and then he would raise, because that's the message, right? And so we would do like these high schoolers who are not professional actors. It's so, I look back and go, oh my gosh, God in your wisdom and in your sense of humor, you use the foolishness of man to reach people because it was foolish. But we would, we would go to these different communities and our teams would come and the way we would do it is we would actually have the local churches print thousands of little invitations, invites, 
with specific instructions as to where the show was going to be. And the way that we would spiritualize it, we were like, you got to come to the show tonight. You got to come to the show. And the reality was we would say, because it's not the kids who are putting on a show, the Holy Spirit will be putting on a show. Because though our dramas might suck, and they probably did, when we would pray, though, these young people had such fervency for prayer, and, and, and they believed. And it says in Mark 16, and these signs will accompany those that believe. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. They'll cast out evil spirits. Our young people actually were trained to pray. They were probably better at praying than, than acting. So they would do their little dramas and skits and music and everything. And then at the end, we would preach the gospel and then we would like pray for healing. And then the show would begin because the Holy Spirit would begin to move and he would heal people, deliver people, set people free from all kinds of different things. And man, we saw thousands of people come to faith in Jesus. But I remember this one trip where, where I think we were in Ghana, West Africa, walking through the community. And it was hot. It was one of those days like, woo, it is hot. You're passing out these little invites and they're all wet because of the sweat. You know what I'm saying? It's like, and this one kid, he hits me up and he goes, Pastor Johnson, why are we doing this? I thought we came to save people. And right then and there, like, dude, I'm going to smack you. No, I'm like, <laughs> I said, no, we didn't come to save people. Only Jesus can save. What we came to do is we came to invite people to a saving experience that Jesus offers. I'm like, ooh, I got all anointed. He's like, huh? Oh, yeah. Our jobs as believers is to simply point the way to Jesus. The invitation has been extended by him. Our assignment now is just to go and tell. Hey, listen, Jesus has invited us. He wants to have a relationship with you. Follow me as I follow him. And that's this journey. So when it comes to this invitation, who is it for? Here's the idea. It's for everybody. Whether you're, you're, you're spiritual or not, the invitation continues to go to billions of people around us. It's relevant today. Luke chapter 14, verse 23, Jesus is talking about the heart of God the Father. And he's, 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 he's speaking in this parable. It's about this banquet. And he's talking about the Father being like a king who wants to throw a party. and He wants to invite everybody to be a part of this event. It's special to him. It's going to be meaningful. It's going to be dope. It's going to be incredible. And he's referring to this idea that God is inviting everybody to have a place at his table. Whether you were a Jew or not, he was talking to everybody. He says, God wants you to be a part of his banquet. So he says this. So his master said, go out into the country lanes and behind the hedges. Another version says, go to the highways and the byways. And he says, and urge anyone that you find to come so that the house will be full. What is God's desire? It's not just so a few people have a relationship with him and they can come to church gatherings and hang out. Now I can see, la, 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 la. I don't know the lyrics again. It's not about just the gathering. God is still looking for people that are distant. He's like, look, I'm glad that these people have RSVP'd, but there are countless others who don't know about this party yet. I want you to go to the highways and the byways. I want you to go to the alleys, the ghettos. I want you to go to the skyscrapers. Let people know that there is a party and they too are invited. And so many of us, we are so consumed. Well, they're not like us, PJJ. They're different from us. They, they, they don't think like us. They're philo- we don't want to insult them. Our assignment is still to go and to let them know they're invited. Who's the invitation for? For everybody. Anybody who would hear, anybody that would be uh, listening. It's for the rich, the poor, the young, the old, the broken, the alone. It's for anybody and everybody. 
the invitation is still relevant. It still finds us today. Do you remember the time when you first began to feel the love of God in your own heart? Some of us perhaps were raised up in a home where there is a fear of God and there's a reverence for God. And maybe your parents brought you to church and Sunday school. Maybe at a young age, you began to sense that. Some of you just recently, like, dude, you're like older in your, in your years. And just recently, you came to this realization, wow, it's not about religion. It's about God connecting with me. This is dope. And you began to feel it in your heart. You all remember that? I remember when I was about Kyla's age, uh, younger. And I was going through like a little season and I'm like... I'm not even sure if I'm saved yet. And I kept getting saved because I knew Jesus would come back any day. And if I hadn't repented of all my sins, I'd be going straight to hell. Skip, go, go straight to hell. I'm like, I knew like, I got to get saved. So I kept getting saved over and over and over and over. Anybody ever do that before? A couple of y'all. <laughs> I remember a little older, like, Jesus, please don't come back yet. I want to get married. What was I saying? I want to have sex. That's what I was saying. But, but wait, 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 wait. I hear it's really amazing. It's a family talk right here, Pastor Keys. <laughs> Do you remember, though, when you finally began to get it? Like, man, I feel the love of God. And even though I screw up and I make mistakes, he continues to pursue me. And then at some point, it just kind of like, Thank you, God. I, I don't deserve this. And then we surrendered to him. And then what really sealed the deal for me was when I got water baptized. That's when I, you know what? I'm not second guessing myself. Signed, sealed, delivered. I've been baptized. I'm saved. If you haven't been water baptized yet, that's one thing we celebrate every week. We love to help people take their next step of faith. There's a QR code right in front of you. If you haven't been water baptized yet, but yet you made a decision to be a disciple of Jesus, get baptized. That's your next step. It'll help you like it did me. Like, you know what? I'm I'm safe for real, for real, right? And so here's the idea. When it comes to all of us, he continues to pursue us. But then there are some strange myths, and we hear them in church a lot, like finding Jesus. Like, you can go find Nemo, but you don't find Jesus. Let me remind us, Jesus was not the one that was lost. Your sorry butt was lost. We were lost. But yeah, we use these terms interchangeably like, man, I found Jesus. And there's songs. I found Jesus. No, you didn't. <laughs> he found you. Your eyes were open. And here's the myth. So you didn't pursue Jesus when you got saved. You weren't searching for truth. People are like, man, I was, in, I was searching for truth. When it comes to Jesus, you weren't searching for truth. Truth was actually searching for you. He was the one that was coming after you. He was the one that was pursuing you when you didn't even recognize it. You didn't know it. You thought that that setback was actually like, like tragic. No, it was a setup. That closed door was actually there so that you would actually be awakened to the reality that there's a God who's crazy about you and he's working behind the scenes to get your attention. Even though you don't know how to start looking for him, he's already looking for you because he sees you and he continues to pursue you. John 15, verse 16, Jesus chopping it up with his boys, and he says, you didn't choose me, but I chose you, and I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit. You didn't sign up for this. I'm the one that went after you. That's how discipleship works. He continues to come after us with this invitation. Follow me. Hey, you're jacked up, screwed up. You think a little weird. You qualify. Come and follow me. I'll help you. I love this quote from Pastor David Platt. He says this, Christianity does not begin with our pursuit of Christ, but with Christ's pursuit of us. 
Christianity does not start with an invitation that we offer to Jesus, but with an invitation that Jesus offers to us. I love that, that statement right there. And again, God understands when we say, I invite Jesus into my heart, the reality is he's already been there knocking at the door of our hearts. And we just say, here I am. And we invite him, but really he was the one that invited us. Here's a big idea, big thought for today. It's super simple. It's this, we didn't invite Jesus into our lives. He invited us into his. He invites us into his life a life that is abundant, a life that is full, a life that is complete, a life that is fulfilling, a life that is perfect. He invites us to partake of his life. So let's keep on going here. This last week, I, um, I, I got this fancy like envelope in the mail, like, ooh, this is fancy right here. And it's like thick, like I, it was written to Mr. and Mrs. Wilkins. I'm like, ooh, with fancy, fancy handwriting. It was pretty. I'm like, wow. I open it up and there's another envelope on side. Like, okay, it's like a wedding invitation kind of an envelope. I'm like, who's this from? And I'm asking myself, I wonder what this is about because it doesn't tell me who it's from. So I'm opening it and I open it up and now there's a third envelope on the inside. Like, what in the heck? So there's an outer envelope, the inner, it's like the tabernacle of Moses. You know what I'm saying? Three different compartments. But the third one was actually the RSVP envelope that I was supposed to read this beautiful invitation that I got. And then if I was going to come with Mrs. Wilkins, we should mark off, yes, we will attend. And we would like the salmon, please, and the steak. Could I check off all the boxes, please? Click, 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 click. <laughs> and the idea was these three envelopes, they were special. They were beautifully written and intentionally written to us. The event is going to happen. Whether we're there or not, it's going to happen. We have the unique privilege of choosing to respond and saying, yes, count me in. And, 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 and for sure, we're going to do the salmon and the steak. Or we can neglect it, ignore it, forget about it, and not make it to the event. But ultimately, the choice is ours. And when it comes to this invitation, who's it for? It's for everyone, but it's really up to you. It's already available. What are you going to do with it? Some of us, we delay. Some of us like, man, let me, let me get some things together, and then I'll kind of fully dive headfirst in the things of God. The Bible is very clear. Nobody knows what tomorrow holds. You can't control your destiny like that. You live in the moment. You prepare for your future, but you live in the now. We don't know what's going to happen three hours from now. We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. So do what you can right now. I would encourage you, don't delay. RSVP. Say, Lord, here I am. I will follow you. When it comes to this invitation, the second thought would be this. What's it for then? I got that beautiful envelope and I was reading like, oh, cool. These are friends of ours that we love dearly. These are wonderful people. They actually had their wedding during COVID. And back then we were all masked. And I think I was the only one who kind of like got to take my mask off because I was officiating outdoors. And, and it's like maybe the bride and groom were able to take their mask. I can't remember right now. Maybe they just kissed briefly and put their masks back on. I can't remember, but they wanted to party and celebrate this beautiful event with friends. And they had to wait till like a year later where restrictions were lifted. I'm like, oh, this is dope. Yeah, we had the, we had the wedding, but now this is the party. We're there. We're going. What's the invitation for? Let me tell you what it's for, but I'll start by saying what it's not for. When Jesus is saying, follow me, it's not for an event. It's not for a destination. Follow me because y'all need to go to heaven. You're on your way to hell, but I'm going to help you get to heaven instead. It's not about you following Jesus isn't about heaven, though that's a great benefit. 
thank God that he saved us from hell and that he's got a place prepared for us from heaven. But it's much more than an event. It's much more than a destination. It's much more than just an experience about you feeling something good in the moment. The invitation is much more than a religion. Please get this. We live in a culture and a society like, what, what religion do you identify with? Christians don't identify with religion, period. It's not about a religion. Now, if y'all going to clap, then like clap it up good. Because <laughs> this invitation, it's not about church. It's not about an event. We're not looking to invite people to just fill up an auditorium somewhere. The invitation is for a personal relationship with Jesus himself, the son of God. He says, I'm so crazy about these people that I'm willing to endure the cross, all the pain, all the shame. Why? Because I'm crazy about them. Go and tell them. The invitation is about you having a personal relationship and friendship with Jesus. That's what this is all about. When he said, follow me, that's what it was about. Now, you may have heard like, well, how many of you have ever run across someone famous, a celebrity? You've met Pastor Keys, you met someone famous already. It's like, man, he's famous that way. <laughs> the other day I saw on his IG post, like there was a picture of him and KD. It's like, bro, I never realized how short you were. KD is like way up there, right? Keys is not a short man, but KD is just, he's just like, hey, you know, like whatever. He's met a lot of famous people. So I, I kind of met KD, but I've met him through Pastor Keats. I know a friend who knows a friend. You feel me? <laughs> when it comes to celebrities, you know, you, you might know somebody like, yeah, my mom met the president once. All right. I was, I was having ice cream up in Portland a couple years ago, salt and straw. And next thing you know, right behind me, the president. At that time, it was the vice president, but President Biden was right there because he loves himself some ice cream. And so do I. Cheers. So we were there. So I've seen the current president. When it comes to Jesus, the cool thing about him is that it's a personal connection. You don't have to go through a handler, a secretary, a third party, a mediator, a priest. You actually are invited to have a personal one-on-one -on -one experience with him. That's what this invitation is all about. As you're reading it through, it says, hey, I know you by name, and I'm inviting you into this friendship, this relationship that is exclusive to you and me, and nobody else can penetrate this one. No one else is invited in this context as far as our friendship. Though Jesus has a relationship with millions of people, it's exclusive and unique to you and me. Are you with me so far? So the thought is this. What's the invitation for? It's for a personal relationship with Jesus. Not a long-distance relationship. Come on, somebody. Not a virtual or a digital relationship with Jesus. Not a third-party relationship with Jesus. Catherine, when I was, when I was a young kid, um, back before there were phones and technology, I, I would have a crush on different girls. Most of them were named Patricia. Like every girl in church was named Patricia. <laughs> but the way that we would communicate, it's like, I kind of like her. Like, it was like what Pastor David was preaching about last week. Like he and, and Aaron like, were kind of liking each other. They're trying to figure out, like, do I, take the, do I make the first move? Like, what do I do? So... So what I would do is I'd, I'd have my handler, my friend, and I would write a little note, I like you, fold it up, give it to him, and he'd run it over to her, hey, you got a little note from John John. She'd be like, then she'd write, I like you too, and then he'd bring it back to me. 
and we'll go back and forth. I thought to myself, how miserable of a life, the in-betweener. Like, bro, get your own game. Like, what are you doing? And how frustrating it is for kids sending little notes where we could just talk. You know what I'm saying? I'm going to get myself in trouble, so I better change the analogy very quickly. My wife is sitting right there. When I fell in love with her, I talked to her straight up. Girl, you like me. <laughs> when it comes to your relationship with Jesus, it's not your pastor that goes in between you and him to say, hey, he likes you, Jesus. And Jesus is like, tell him I like him too. And that's what I'm doing right now. He's telling you he likes you. But once I've delivered the message, now it's your responsibility to RSVP and say, here I am, Lord. Thanks for reminding me that you like me. Thanks for using that crazy Pastor Johnson to tell me how crazy you are about me. And then you talk straight up. Don't come to me. Go straight to him. This relationship, it's, it's personal. It's intimate. It's real. It's authentic. It's genuine. It's exclusive. It's unlike other people's relationships. How you talk to Jesus might be different than how someone else might pray or talk to him. You do you. He knows exactly how he's wired you. He knows how you think. He's given us the guidelines. It's called the Bible. This is how we approach a holy God. This is how we communicate. So it's already there. It's customized, tailor-made just for us. Jesus doesn't want you to just know about him. He wants you to know him. A lot of people can tell the story about Jesus, but they don't know Jesus. I want to encourage you. Get to know him. RSVP, even today, say, Lord, here I am again. I want to know you more. I want to, I want to know you in a deeper way, in a more, more profound kind of way. And when it comes to this opportunity that we have, the cool thing is like, hey, the reason for the invitation is a personal relationship with him. But then the, the blessings they include, well, the helper called Holy Spirit. He's like, listen, y'all, y'all going to need some help. I'm going to send you the helper, Holy Spirit. He's going to come and he's going to lead you in all truth. He's going to teach you truth. He's going to explain to you the things that I've been trying to tell you. This is him talking to his disciples. And he's going he's to be your personal tutor. I saw Alex Osborne earlier today, a personal trainer. Come on, Alex. The Holy Spirit is our personal trainer. He said, man, I'm going to help you. I'm going to quicken truth to you. You're becoming more and more like Jesus in this relationship. Jesus loves you so much that he's not going to leave you the way you are, but he's going to continue to work on you. So we're going to get down and we're going to work out together. And he begins to challenge us and he begins to speak truth to us in love. He's like, give me 10 more. And all of a sudden, it's like we feel the Holy Spirit working us. And he is our friend and he is our helper. He is our teacher. He's our personal trainer. And he's the one that helps us grow in this thriving relationship with Jesus. That's the best kind of friend that we could ask for. 24-7 assistance. Whenever you need God, Holy Spirit, are you here? And he's there already. That's the kind of God that we serve. When is this invitation for? The final point as we wrap up. The invitation, when is it for? It's always there. There's the introductory moment when you first feel the love of God, where he's nudging and just knocking on the door of your heart. And you open your heart. Say, God, here I am. I say yes to you. But then the cool thing about this follow me invite is that it's progressive and continuous. He continues to say, hey, you said yes before, but continue to follow me. 
Don't just settle for that one moment at that one event, that service, that camp experience, that one outing, that one prayer moment. He continues to come after us and says, hey, I still love you. Keep following me. Follow me. I got to show you something. It was in the Philippines at that one mission trip. My wife and I, we heard about something called the high tide that would roll up in this town, these, these two towns, Malabon and Novatas. The high tide, there, it was a coastal town. They were fishermen and the water would come up and we kind of had gotten disconnected from some folks. And this man that I, I don't think I had met before, we needed to be at our next appointment. The water's coming up. So I'm holding Elena's hand and then he grabs my hand. It's like, all right, that's how we do it. And he grabs my hand and he says, follow me. And we're cruising through these, these streets and the water is coming up. And like, watch out, Elena, floating diapers coming our way. Watch out. And we're navigating through. And I have no idea where is this guy taking us? But all he kept saying, pastor, follow me, follow me, pastor, follow me, follow me. And though I was lost, he wasn't lost. He knew exactly where he was guiding us. When it comes to this relationship with Jesus, there was the initial follow me where you gave him permission to be the Lord of your life. But then there's a daily following him where he promises us that he's going to guide us. And though your head might be spinning, though the world around you might be going crazy, he continues to whisper to you today, follow me. I will help you. When you're tired and overwhelmed, Jesus continues to say, follow me. When you're alone and discouraged and you feel like people just don't get you, maybe you feel abandoned, he continues to say, follow me. When people have abandoned you, neglected you, forgotten about you, he says, follow me. When you've made some bad choices, maybe a decision or two that you regret, he still continues to say, follow me. When you're afraid and fear comes in the midnight hour, or maybe when you're wide awake and you're, you're afraid of tomorrow, you're afraid of calamity, you're afraid of the coulda, shoulda, wouldas, you're afraid of consequences, you're afraid, you're afraid straight up. He still says, follow me. When you want to quit, like Chelsea was saying earlier, maybe you're like, man, I'm, I'm tired of this whole thing. I'm tired of life. I'm, I'm tired of my marriage. I'm tired of the drama. I'm tired of all of this stuff, I'm tapping out and suicidal thoughts start coming to you and you begin to entertain scenarios. And all of a sudden, the voice of God comes to you like right now. He says, follow me. I got you. I know it's overwhelming. I know it's frustrating. Follow me. When you feel worthless, when you feel like, man, my life is just a mess. What good am I? He still says, follow me. When things don't play out the way that you had hoped for, you wake up one day and you go, this isn't what I signed up for. Your marriage may be collapsed. Your dreams, they got hijacked. Your health is just not where it should be. Your finances, your dreams, your bucket list. It's like, man, it's a bunch of crap. Jesus still says, follow me. I know the plans I have for you. And though there's a mess around you, I'm going to lead you through. I'm going to show you the way. Why? That's my name. I am the way, the truth, and the life. You may not see how to get out of this situation, but he's the way. He's the gate. He's the road. 
He is the avenue. He is the way to your freedom. When the battle is fierce and you feel like there's no way out, Jesus still says, follow me. I got this. Have you stand to your feet? I want to pray for you today. What do we do with this? We're being reminded of this. Many of us heard this thought or message many times before. It's amazing how even though intellectually we know these things, sometimes our hearts need to be reminded and hear it again, huh? The action steps for a message like this. Well, Matthew 420, when Jesus approached Peter and Andrew at the shores of that sea, he says, hey, drop your nets, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Verse 20 says this, they immediately left their nets, followed him. In my Bible, I've got it underlined immediately. They didn't procrastinate. They didn't make excuses. They didn't try to figure it out. They simply responded. As believers, how do we respond to this invitation? Two simple steps. Number one, we listen. You've just done that. And then number two, we RSVP regularly. I'm going to lead us in a prayer here. I'm actually going to have the worship team come back up and help me. I want you guys to take us right to that better and better. Skip all the intro stuff. Go right into that, that bridge piece. Because I want us to, to take this moment and I want us to build an altar unto God. You with me, church? You with me? You, you don't need to just be a spectator. This is between you and Jesus today. The invitation has your name, the best handwriting in the universe. It has your name. And Jesus says, today, my son, today, my daughter, I'm inviting you. Follow me. I got this. And whatever it is that you're going through, whether you're going through a good season or whether you're going through some hellacious seasons, he is the God that cares. He knows you. He calls you by name. Today we're going to make an exchange. Jesus says, cast your cares upon me because I care for you. Whatever it is that would be filling your heart and mind. As your pastor, I want to do, I'll do a couple things. I want to help you. I want to help you stir your faith today. Stir your faith today. Not the person next to you. Your faith today. Say, Jesus, I, I want to surrender to you. I have a hunch that there are some people in the room today. You're so tired of being tired. You're so tired of just being tired. Like, man, I, I'm just glad that I'm taking a breath right now. Dreams, Pastor John, John what are you talking about? Dreams. Don't, those dreams, they're shattered. They're way gone. Believe the word of God for you today is that he's the God that restores our soul. He sees your heart. He sees your story. He sees your situation. And he comes to renew us. He comes to restore your heart. He comes to restore your soul. I mean, I know the troubles that you're navigating through, the worries, the pain, the, the pressures that you're feeling, but there is a God who does. And he knows you. And he's coming after you today. In this moment, he's coming after you. In this atmosphere, whether in person or watching online, God sees you and he knows you. And he continues to whisper, follow me. 
follow me. Trust me. I got you. Would you raise your hands all throughout through the auditorium? If you're watching online as well, I encourage you respond to God right here in this moment. Let me pray for you. God, right now, Lord, you see our, our hearts, you see our lives, you see everything that's going on in our world. You know everything about us, the good, the bad, the ugly, and you care about us deeply. God, even at our best, we still fall short. But Jesus, today, once again, we do our SVP. We listen to your invitation. And we say, Lord, here, here I am, God. Lord, I will follow you. I will trust you. Even when others have disappointed me, God, you never have. God, I will, I will put my hope in you. God, give me the courage to trust you. Give me the fortitude and the strength to, to follow after you. I need you. I need your grace. Lord, today we, we humbly and thankfully we say yes. Thank you for coming after us. Thank you for finding us. Thank you for rescuing us. Today we open our hearts to you, God. Have your way in us. Let your kingdom come and your will be done here on earth in our lives just as it is in heaven. We surrender fully to you. Chelsea, lead us in the song. I want you to stay in this atmosphere of worship and you and Jesus begin to talk right now, just for the next two minutes. You and Jesus talk.